0: Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We pray the Lord speaks to you as you hear his word today. I want to welcome you and say thank you for joining us. Those of you who are part of the Bible Center family, those of you who are uh, call Bible Center your home, thank you for being here with us on TV uh, and online. If you're new to us, I would love to meet you. Uh, I would love to meet you, get to know you, uh, hear your story. I'm usually outside, weather permitting, after every service, and so next time uh, that you're with us, feel free to join me out there. And those of you who are here today, I look forward to chatting with you after the service. Today I want to tell you the story of when Sarah and I almost died. This is how the story goes, true story. Uh, She and I had got married in the year 2000. We'd been married about a year, it was 2001. And during my senior year of college, both of our senior years, we took on a paper route to make some extra money. We had to get up at 3 a.m., and when you're 20 and 21 years old, I mean, really, how hard is it? To You really don't need sleep. And so we would get up at 3, and we would put on our toboggans and get in our gold geoprism with the hubcaps that rotated in the tinted windows, and we would ride out to the Shelby Star in Shelby, North Carolina, uh, just a suburb of Charlotte, and we would go to the Shelby Star, and we'd deliver papers, and the goal was always to be done by about 5 a.m., because if you got done by about 5, 5.30, you could go back to sleep, get an hour or two of sleep before class started. And so we had this thing down to a science. And on one particular morning, we got up at 3, put on our clothes that we had set out the night before, went out to Highway 74, and started heading, towards, heading east towards Shelby. Well, typically, I would be right there on the edge of every green light. You know, if the light was red, there's really nobody around at 3 in the morning. And as soon as it even hinted at green, I would slam on the gas. I wanted to get the paper route done. But on one particular morning, we were coming up Highway 74. It's one of those core memories and it's where 226, some people call it Polkville Road, comes out and meets Highway 74. And I was coming up to the light, and typically the light turned green and I would have just hit the gas. But as I was about to hit the gas, something grabbed me on my left side, on my driver's side. Now, if it had been on my right side, I would have thought Sarah was messing with me. Uh, but it was on my left side, and so it grabbed me, and I thought, man, what is this? So I let off the gas, and it grabbed me again, and so I let off the gas. And about that split second, an uh, an S-10, or excuse me, a Ford Ranger, came flying south on 226 and crashed into the embankment that used to be there. I went today on Google Earth just to see what it looks like. And they've since put a business in that embankment and it's no longer there. But had I not paused, I would not be here today. I am convinced it would have hit me on the driver's side. He was going so fast and slammed into that, that embankment. I don't know how I would have lived. Now, I don't know what it was that made me feel like something grabbed me. I don't know exactly what it was that caused me not to hit the gas, but I would not be surprised to get to heaven and find out that God had an angel somewhere in the mix. Now, I'm not going to pretend today to know everything there is about angels, but I believe it's really important that we hear what the Bible says. For in our day and age, the world doesn't really seem to know what to do with angels. One theologian wrote this. His name was Rudolf Boltmann. He said, it is impossible, by the way, this is a theologian who ended his life not believing much of what the Bible had to say, unfortunately. He came to this conclusion. He said, it is impossible to use electric lights and wireless technology to avail ourselves of modern medical and surgical discoveries, and at the same time to believe in the New Testament world of spirits and miracles. Now Boltman's point, I think, is a strong example of the tendency to assume that modern developments have made beliefs in angels and demons, or even a belief in God, to be obsolete. Yet, for all of our technological and scientific advancement, belief in the supernatural has not dissipated in our culture. Have you ever noticed that there's this fascination, especially when it comes to the the supernatural, to angels and to demons? Hollywood has made big money on the industry of angels. You've probably seen the movies. We know that there are angels in the outfield. There's angels in the infield. There's angels in the end zone. There's Legion and Lucifer and Preacher and Ghost Hunter reality shows that continue to be popular Whether you've been touched by an angel or you found yourself on the highway to heaven, you've probably seen something on TV about angels. So we'll ask the question today, what does God want us to believe? What does the Bible call us to believe about angels? What should we know? Well, in the next few minutes, I'm going to give you 10 questions, and we're going to answer those 10 questions quickly. I promise that the message moves quickly, but I would invite you to take notes or at least after the message to go back and get the notes. They're on our app, the Bible Center app. They're also on our website, BibleCenterChurch.com and our bulletin. Uh, But in this particular message, today I counted 205 Scripture references in the message, in the outline, because I believe this topic should be saturated with Scripture's. Now today we're not going to look at all 205, we're just going to look at a handful. But I want you to know that they're there for your Bible study, and who knows, this week God could invite you to make a Bible study out of the subject of angels and study all these passages to make sure that what I say today is truly what the Bible says. Today's message is entitled, Angels, 10 Questions and Answers. Let's go ahead and jump into the first question. What is an angel? What is an angel? Here's the answer. An angel is a highly intelligent, morally good, spiritual being created by God. Highly intelligent, morally good, spiritual being created by God. Psalm 148, verses 2 and 5 says, Praise the Lord, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command... They are created. Now, angels, we say, are primarily spiritual beings in that, that by nature, they don't have bodies. By nature, they don't have flesh and bones. They're spiritual creatures. We'll see in a little bit that there are times when God allows them to appear, even human, but we'll look at that in a minute. But notice what Jesus said in the book of Luke. Jesus said in Luke 24, 39, Look at my hands and my feet, It is I myself, after the resurrection, he said, touch me and see, but a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see, I have. The concept of these spiritual creatures are sometimes referred to in the scriptures as angels. There's times when they're referred to as ghosts. We're gonna see today that there's good angels. Next week, we'll see that there's bad angels that we call demons. But angels are mentioned a lot in the Bible, appearing 34 out of 66 books of the Bible. They're mentioned 108 times in the Old Testament, 187 times in the New Testament, which is a total of 295 times. So, number one, what is an angel? This is our answer. Number two, the second question will we become angels after we die? We will become angels after we die. What's the answer? Here's the answer. No. Christians will become like the angels, but we will not become angels. Now, this is an important distinction because the Bible in several places says that we will become like the angels, but unfortunately, throughout church history, people have sometimes dropped the word like, and then it's become a doctrine that grandma became an angel, now, if Grandma knew the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior, Grandma's glorified. Grandma's with the Lord. Uh, grandma's going to one day get a new body. Uh, she's going to return with the Lord Jesus. Uh, if Jesus comes in our lifetime, we'll see Grandma with the Lord. Uh, but that does not mean Grandma is an angel. So, when Christians are raised from the dead at the last judgment, we will be we will be glorified like Jesus and the angels with some kind of new. Heavenly body. Notice what the Bible says in Mark 12 25. Jesus said, When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now, for some younger men and women, that's a hard concept to understand. That doesn't sound for some like heaven. For others, that sounds like heaven. Uh, either way, we don't understand it. I don't understand it. Sarah and I don't understand it. We don't really necessarily like this verse because we love our marriage. But there's something about the way the angels and their glorified bodies are made that we'll share in that glorified body. 1 John 3:3, we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 1 Corinthians 15 is this great resurrection chapter. It's listed in your notes. I would encourage you to read it because it describes in somewhat detail what the resurrected body will be like. Now, there's another reason we know we're not angels, and it's simply this. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 3. It's that Christians will one day help judge the angels. 1 Corinthians 6.3. You say, Pastor Matt, what does that mean? I have no idea. It's this one verse in the New Testament Paul says we're going to somehow participate, and the judgment of angels, we'll figure it out when we get to heaven. But that's just another verse and another reason to prove that we know we will not become angels, but will be like the angels. Number three, the third question. In addition to being created, in what ways are angels like us? And what ways are angels like us? Here's several ways uh, for us to remember. First, they only know what God has revealed to them. Angels are limited in their knowledge, just like you and I. We're limited in our knowledge. In Matthew 24, verse 36, Jesus was very clear that they only know what God has revealed to them. Just like we only know what God has revealed to us in his word, what he allows us to learn in life. In Psalm 103 and verse 20, we see that their power is limited and they're expected to obey God. They take marching orders from God just like you and I take marching orders from God. And they can only be at one place at one time. This is important for a number of reasons, but it's important to see just like you can only be in one place at one time, so can they. They. We see this in places like Daniel chapter 9 and Daniel chapter 10. We see it in the book of Luke chapter 1 in the instance where God sent Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, from heaven with a message for Mary and Joseph in Nazareth. So angels can only be at one place at one time, unlike, of course, God. Number four, in what ways are angels not like us? How are they not like us? Well, first of all, they're stronger than us. They're a lot stronger than us. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 11 says outright that the angels are stronger and more powerful than us. But this is a truth that I love reading about in the Scriptures. It's the second aspect, and it's this. When not disguised, their appearance is impressive and overwhelming. Now we're going to see about angels being disguised in a little bit. But when an angel is not disguised, fully reflecting the glory of God, they're intimidating, they're impressive, they're overwhelming. Daniel chapter 10 and verse 5 says, He says, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. So I was left alone gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and I listened to him. My face to the ground, my hand touched, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. This is a powerful creature, intimidating. We see the same thing in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 28, verses 2 through 4. When they came and found the tomb of Jesus empty with a stone rolled away, this is what they found: there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. We're going to see in a minute in Mark chapter 16 that there was either a second angel that had more of the appearance like a man at the tomb, according to Mark's account, or this angel was displaying all of his glory to scare the guards away, and then he turned it down. I'm not sure, but we're going to see a second account in a minute. Theologians debate, was there a second angel that was more normal, or was it this fella uh, who was um, no longer shining in all of his glory? A third way that angels aren't like us is that there's no salvation available for the ones who've sinned. There's no salvation available for the ones who sin. God makes this very clear in 2 Peter chapter two, verse four. Some angels that sinned with Satan—Pastor Michael talk about it next weekend—some of those angels are already confined to hell. They're in chains of hell. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. Some of those angels who sinned with Satan are still allowed to roam free and wreak havoc on the earth. So again, this, there's a spiritual warfare taking place. But I remember the first time, or one of the first times I heard about this, that there's no salvation available, according to 2 Peter, for the angels who sinned. I kind of was... Um, frustrated with that it just didn't seem fair like why wouldn't God give them another chance to be saved just like he gave us another chance to be saved it just didn't seem right but you know I've come to learn in my Christian life and I'm still learning that I really don't want fair I don't want what's fair when my children say I want what's fair Sarah and I try to teach them no you don't you don't want what's fair you see, if God gave us what was fair, you and I would never see heaven, ever. Romans three twenty three says, "For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God." Romans six twenty three says, "The wages of sin is death." You see, we have sinned. James chapter two says, "Whether you've sinned once or one million times, you're equally a sinner and broken." in the sight of God, in need of a savior. But I love the way Romans 6.23 ends. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Salvation that we receive as human beings is not fair, it's a gift, it's called grace. It wasn't fair that Jesus had to die on the cross for us so that we as guilty men and women could go free. But thankfully, Jesus didn't give us fairness. He gave us grace. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're hearing this message today on TV, you're hearing this message today online, let me encourage you, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day and stands in heaven ready to save. I want to ask you to let Pastor Matt Garrison know, our online pastor, just click the button right there if you're online that says i am decided to follow Jesus. We want to follow up with you. In the last 10 or 11 weeks, we've now had 14 men and women indicate that they want to follow Christ and we can follow up with them and help them in their relationship with Jesus. That's why God has given us the church. It's our pleasure. It's what we love to do. And we'd love to help you in your spiritual journey. Number five, the fifth question, what do angels do in heaven? You ever wonder that? What are the angels doing in heaven, well, first of all, they worship God, they worship God. We see this in a number of different passages. We see it in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 2. It says, Above him were seraphim. Most theologians believe that's a type of angel. Uh, there seems to be different types seraphim, cherubim, uh, all the living creatures. But this particular type of angel, if we classify it that way, each has six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another. What are they saying in heaven? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Hebrews chapter 12 Verses 22 and 23 talk about how heaven meets earth when we gather as a church for worship. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. But you have come, talking to the Christians, you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven... You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. In context, that's shortly after God said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And then he spends like the next chapter and a half telling them why it's important that we not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. He says it's because when we come together as the church, we don't just come together as human beings. We are joined by spiritual beings. Somehow, way, today when we sang the praises of God on high, we were not alone. The angels somehow, some way, joined with us on the other side of the veil. I love Revelation 5, verses 11 and 12. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. This next aspect of what they do in heaven, I'll leave it for your study. There's a couple dozen verses just about this point. But we find that in heaven, they're actually part of God's staff team part of God's staff team. Just to give you a little sample, in 1 Kings 22, the Bible gives us a picture of heaven, and God, actually like a a good leader would do, doesn't just make an order and expect everybody to follow it, but God asks for input from the angels about what they think would be best to do. You say it doesn't make any sense. 1 Kings 22, 19 through 23. We see the same thing in Psalm 89 and verse 7. God talks about a council of angels around him. Daniel chapter 7 has this picture of angels coming to and fro, the throne of God, getting their assignments from God. The New Testament makes it very clear that when Jesus returns, he's not returning alone. But he's actually going to be returning with his team, not only the saints, those who believed in Christ, but he's going to return with his holy angels. It's a beautiful picture and demonstration of unity and leadership. I love that picture. Number six, what do angels do on earth? All right, what do angels do on earth? Well, first of all, they patrol the earth as God's representatives. We see that in Zechariah chapter 1. They wage war on Satan and his demons. We see that in Revelation 12 and Revelation 20 and in Daniel chapter 10. They serve, guard, and protect us. I love this one. Angels serve, guard, and protect us. Notice what the Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 17. It says, And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, that he may see... Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When, he, when God allowed him to see the spiritual realm, his eyes were opened. Psalm 91 and verse 11 says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Hebrews chapter 1 in verse 14 says, are not all angels ministering spirits to serve those who will inherit salvation? If you're a follower of Jesus, even before you were a follower of Jesus, somehow some way the angels guarded you. They protected you to that moment and promised to continue doing so. One theologian named Wayne Grudem writes this, He says, when a car suddenly swerves from hitting us, when we suddenly find footing to keep from being swept along in a raging river, when we walk unscathed in a dangerous neighborhood, should we not suspect that God has sent his angels to protect us? Does not Scripture promise, for he will give his angels charge of you to guard you in all your ways? Should we not thank God for sending angels to protect us at such times? It seems right that we should do so. What I want to invite you to do in the in the moments after this service, maybe on the way home today, maybe to maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, is to be thinking about maybe some times in your life. We're not being dogmatic, we don't know, but maybe was there a time that perhaps angels intervened in your life? I think that's perfectly acceptable spiritually-minded people to do. We're not going to be consumed with it. No angel hunting this week. We're not going to go looking around and hunt the angels like some Pokemon game, but we can think back. Where were the angels uh, in our life? They also serve as God's messengers. We see that throughout the scriptures, and they carry out God's judgments, including plagues and pandemics. I'm not saying every plague and pandemic comes at the hand of an angel, but they certainly do God's bidding. And you can study that this week for yourself. But here's the big question that I often get. Maybe you have the question. Do we have guardian angels? Do we have a guardian angel? Well, I want to show you a picture of my guardian angel. If I have a guardian angel, it, it probably looks like this. It's probably tired. It's probably ready for a nap. As many times as he, it's, it's intervened in my life. Uh, I saw this meme this week on social media, uh, Bobby, whoever Bobby is, if that's you, please, in your guardian, I'm your guardian angel, and you're giving me a headache. And then, and then there's this one. I like this one. I'm on my second guardian angel. The first one quit and is now in therapy. Do we have guardian angels? Well, in all sincerity, uh, we're not sure. There's really no way for us to be sure. Angels definitely guard particular so hear me out, particular nations, churches, and people. I'm going to show you in a moment. There are verses that say angels guard, nations, churches, and people, but the Scriptures never teach that each individual person or even each believer has his or own guardian angel. Don't throw anything at me just yet. Let me explain. When we think about the nations, nations, If you're taking notes, Daniel chapter 10 talks about angels that were specifically sent to guard the nation of Persia. So we have in that instance that they guarded at least that nation. We could assume that they're angels assigned by God to guard other nations. And then there's churches. Revelation 1.20 says that the seven churches actually had angels that looked out for them. Revelation 1.20 We've already seen that we know at least that angels do guard us as people, as the people of God, as people who are going to become followers of God. We see in Acts chapter 12 that an angel particularly guarded Peter, let him out of prison miraculously. But notice this verse. This is the one that causes us to think. And there's different views. And your view on this might be different than mine, and that's totally okay. Uh, this is not something that you have to believe. Uh, to be, we have to agree on in order to be in unity in the gospel. But Jesus said this, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, talking about the kids, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. If we are going to lean theologically toward guardian angels, this is the quintessential verse to do it. That it's possible that maybe children, particularly, have assigned angels. But that's about as dogmatic as we can be. So we know they guard, we just don't know that Bob has an assigned guardian angel for his entire life. That would be saying more than what the Bible says. So this is the way I like to describe it. For you uh, basketball lovers, this is the way I like to say it. To use a basketball term, angels seem to play zone defense Instead of man to man defense, right? Zone defense instead of man to man defense. We may get to heaven and find out everybody does have one assigned guardian angel, but God doesn't clearly say that in His Word, and so we can just thank Him for the protection that He does provide. Number eight, are all angels alike? Are all angels alike? According to the Bible, the answer to that is no. All angels are not alike. Uh, angels are innumerable. We saw a verse a while ago where there was thousands upon 10,000 times 10,000. Uh, another verse says there's a myriad. And, uh, Hebrews 12, 22 and 23 says the angels are innumerable. So there's a lot of them. And they seem to have different names. We know of at least three angel names in the Bible. We know of Gideon. Excuse me, Gabriel. We know of Satan, formerly called Lucifer, and we know of the archangel Michael. Those are the only three names we know for sure in the Bible, but why not? It seems perfectly possible. I would not be surprised to get to heaven and find out that they all have names. We learn in the Old Testament and the New Testament that they have ranks and they have different job assignments. So no, not all the angels are alike. It just seems to be that God created the angels with as much diversity as he made the earth, as he made the animals, as he made human beings. Can we see angels? Can we see angels? The answer to that question is yes, but only if one of the following things are true. First of all, if God opens our eyes to see the spiritual world. And by the way, the spiritual world is far more real than you and I tend to think about day in and day out. There is a spiritual world that if we could see, like we read earlier, truly who was among us and what was taking place and the spiritual battles around us, I don't think we would ever wrestle to pray and read our Bibles ever again. If we could truly see that, Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 22, and verse 31, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn, and he bowed low and he fell face down. We see that there are times when the Lord opens people's eyes to see angels. I'm not God. I don't know who God would do that for and who God wouldn't do that for. But he did it for a number of people in the Bible. But the second way we can see an angel is if we meet one who has taken bodily form. We see this with Abraham in Genesis 18. We see it again in Genesis 19 with Abraham. We saw earlier in Matthew 28 verse 5 that there was this angel that was full of glory and full of light at the empty tomb. But in Mark chapter 16, in verse 5, we find that there was at least either another angel or the same one who had turned the volume down inside the tomb that Mark describes that they mistook him for a man. They thought he was just a man. And in the empty tomb, he goes, no, I'm not the one you're seeking. And he pointed back out to Jesus. Hebrews 13.2 is one of those verses that I can't wait to ask Jesus about when we get to heaven It says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. I've said on several occasions that my brother died at age two and a half of cancer. He had neuroblastoma, and still even to this day, neuroblastoma is just a a terrible diagnosis, even with all of our technology. But I talked to my parents last night because I wanted to get the story straight. I grew up hearing about this nurse that would just tend to come at the, just the right time. It wasn't a regular nurse that seemed to walk around the floor down here at CAMC, Charleston Air Medical Center, Memorial Division. But in 1980, when my brother died, my parents says there was this nurse. She just said to call her Granny, and she would come in at just the right times. My mom remembers one occasion when they had realized that He was going to die there at age two and a half. Granny came in. He had gone into a coma. And Granny spoke a word and instantly he came right out of that coma. There were other occasions when they just didn't know how they were going to make it another day. And Granny would come in and put her arms around him. Pray for him. Pray with him. Tell him that God loved him. The night my brother died, it was in the middle of the night. I wasn't born yet. My dad said, Granny shouldn't have been there. But at that moment, when my brother took his last breath, Granny walked in the room. Dad said she held their hands. She held Robbie's hand. She looked up into heaven and said something. A few minutes later, she was gone. Well, of course, in all the commotion of the night, they eventually left. But about two weeks later, they came back looking for Granny, just to thank Granny for those Rare times that she would pop into their room. And after two weeks of searching, nobody knew who Granny was. There was no Granny. What are you talking about? There was no nurse that fit that description. I'm not declaring today that Granny was 100% an angel. But it's possible. I want to encourage you with this. What's today's big idea? The big idea is this. It's simply this. Angels are always near to remind us that God is here. God didn't send angels so we'll worship them. But God sent angels so that we'll worship him. And God wants you to know today you are not alone. He hasn't given up on you. God loves you and wants you to feel the fullness of the gospel. So, keep your eyes open. See the world with spiritual eyes, not physical eyes. You say, Matt, why would we do that? This is the reason. Because angels are always near to remind us God is here. For more information, visit us at BibleCenteredChurch.com or check us out on social media. You can also join us in person for services on Thursday at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m.